Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. I'm Michael Anderson. We've got a great show for you today. We're doing a best of show with some of the clips from shows that we've done over the last two years. Some real special highlights. You're going to love it. You do not want to miss this. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by Geico Local Office. Car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You can save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of Geico Local Office. 805 487 7847. And we're going to start the best of show with our first clip is from Kevin Costner. He's going to be talking about working toward your dreams and working closer to people that support you while working away from people that are not supporting you. Really fascinating what he has to say. The idea that you're going to worry about what people think as you just try to find your own way is something that a lot of us have to shake off. And it was something I had to shake off. And I, and I had to come to it. And it was a break. It was a break from my parents. It was a break from everybody I knew. But it was, uh, it was just kind of somehow listening to the, it was just listening to my, myself and thinking, I don't want to grow up saying, I could have done that, I could have done this, I could have done that, I could have done this. Because in a way, I always felt that. When I looked at the world, I thought, I could do that. When I saw something, I said, I could try that. I was pretty fearless, and I actually scared my father, who only had the one job. He felt you get a job, you hold on to it. I felt that you go till something fills your heart and your hobby becomes your work. That's a nice shift. That's a very nice shift. So is that the advice you give to people that pursuing their dreams, that you just, you know, you have to know what you want and go after it and kind of put aside maybe what other people are going to think about your decision to do that? Yeah, listen, you have to have a sense about yourself. Your dream can be as big as you want it. The people that tell you you can't do it, you, they just, you know, they're in between you and your dream, and you have to move away from that. You move away from the, you move to those people that find a way to encourage you, and you need to start to move away from people who begin to doubt you. And in the meantime, you have to know how to keep working. You can't, you know, just kind of sit. I'm not going to do anything till the really great thing happens to me. You just have to keep. You work. You got to find that apricot orchard, and you got to. <laughs> You got to go sell some apricots and you got to do some other things. And it's amazing the journey that you have by, uh, you know, knowing how to work, but working towards finding the right environment for you. Dreams are really, really important. And how you go about them is really important. They don't come to you sitting still. Our next interview is with Jim Welsh. He's the founder of Macro Tides. He's a phenomenal market analyst. And we're going to hear what he has to say about looking at the market for indicators. A lot of people are wondering, why, wasn't, why weren't we able to read the recession in October 2007? And why didn't we know it was a bottom in March of 2009? Let's listen to what Jim Welsh had to say. If the market is truly a discounting mechanism, what was it telling us in October 2007? that there was no housing crisis about to occur, or March of 2009, that the world was truly coming to an end. And the fact is, it, that was not the case. So the idea, and, and this is treated uh, you know, with respect, this idea of the market is a discounting mechanism, the market is telling me this, and so forth. And it's hogwash. <laughs> you know? and, and so to me, that's why one needs to be able to utilize contrary opinion because when all you hear is people talking why something's going to keep going up, that's the time where you have to detach and say, okay, what are some of the reasons why that may not continue to, to take place? Um, and, and only by doing that can you separate yourself from the crowd. It is really one of the most difficult things to do 
just to go against the crowd. But that's why utilizing things like contrary opinion, using technical analysis to provide, if you will, the, the conviction one needs to kind of say, hey, wait a second, things are weakening. So in, in October 2007, the advanced decline line, which I had referenced earlier, had made a peak in June. The S&P went down into August, rebounded, made a new all-time high in October, but the advanced decline line was uh, significantly lower in October than it was in June. Why? Because a lot of stocks weren't participating. You know, So those are the signs that the majority of the people you reference on TV, they don't pay attention to that stuff. Instead, they're saying, well, we think earnings are going to be up 8% next year, blah, 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 blah. And that's what they're looking at. So they're not going to catch turns because that's their mindset. And they honestly don't look at and take the holistic approach that I'm talking about. Sticking with finance, we're going to go and listen to Matthew Fienup. He was on the program and talked about California. We have so many wonderful natural resources, so many reasons why California and the economy here should be excelling, excelling beyond what the federal and United States economy is doing, but that's not always the case. Let's hear what he has to say. Those are just unique assets that California has that should produce greater growth. We also have a really wonderful location with respect to foreign markets. You know, we have some of the biggest ports in the United States here on the California coast. We should grow more rapidly. But the reality is uh, that um, an anti-business climate, you know, crushing regulation of the private economy, onerous taxes, recently experimentation with labor market reforms, super minimum wage, overtime regulations, um, a lot of this makes it extremely costly to do business in California and households and businesses are leaving the state in search of more favorable environments. We had Sandy Smith on the program. He teaches in the public policy master's program at Cal Lutheran University. We were talking about what does good local government look like? He had some wonderful things to say, and I think it's really telling. Hopefully we'll see more of what he describes. Let's listen to Sandy Smith. I had a meeting with a client in a city that I'm considering to be the one that's operated well. In that meeting was the city manager, the community development director, the planning director, everybody that needed to be in the room. My client talked about what they wanted to do. There was consensus that this was something that the city wanted. And from that day on, it was green, got the green light and went through quickly. Other cities may not have that model where you're able to bring everybody into the room, get consensus, have the amount of leadership you need at the city manager level so that everybody knows we're all on the same team here and we want this to happen. That's certainly part of the equation as well. And continuing with good government, we talk with Matt LeVere. We have a clip of him describing how he helped create the diesel mechanic program at Ventura College. This is a public-private partnership in which Ventura College and Gibbs Trucking were able to work together and create a program for diesel mechanics. This is a great interview. I hope you enjoy this clip uh, for with Matt LeVere. Let's listen in. It really goes back to my friend uh, Ed Gibbs and I. Ed Gibbs and I have been friends for almost 30 years now. And we were sitting watching a Dodgers game about three years ago. And he was kind of complaining to me about the lack of diesel mechanics in the area. And he, I'll never forget this quote. He said, Matt, I pay these guys eighty, ninety thousand $90,000 a year, and I can't find any of them. I can't find mm. people to pay $90,000 a year to. I mean, I would hire seven tomorrow if they were out there. Mm. And at that point, I was somewhat of a new board member on the Ventura College Foundation. And recognizing that Ventura College had an automotive mechanics program, but not a diesel element. 
And, you know, clean diesel is really part of the future of the automotive industry, a lot of people say. So I went to the college the next day after my discussion with Ed, and I said, we have this automotive program. What would it take to include a diesel element? Because I think I might have a pipeline for some rewarding careers for local kids. The first thing I heard was, wow, that's a, that's a new curriculum. That's a, a lot of red tape. A big hurdle to get past. I mean, and that's what I think that's what most people hear. Because when you talk about private industry connecting with this public entities and education, usually there's a big hurdle to get past and it never goes anywhere. In this case, this now is a program. You guys dealt with it a few years ago. It's a program. It just took, it really took commitment, true commitment from both sides of the aisle. It was the Gibbs Truck Centers and the Gibbs family committing, saying, we are going to give a million dollars to this program in both uh, cash and in-kind contributions. We're gonna commit, it's a lot of resources. And the college saying, we're gonna commit to making this reality. We're gonna commit to cutting red tape. We're gonna commit to making this happen sooner, not later. These discussions started in January and because of the hard work and the commitment from both sides, both the college, the foundation, Gibbs, the Gibbs family, in nine months, that program became a reality. And these kids are gonna come out of Ventura College, two years, you know, limited school debt, and they're going to be making $45,000, $50,000 a year off the bat, increasing that to seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 within five or six years. That's real money, even locally. These kids are going to get a chance to stay close to home, raise their families, make a good living. And There's a very popular movement taking place right now in the financial industry. It's called the FIRE movement, Financial Independence Retire Early. It's a little bit controversial. Let's talk with Grant Sabatier and learn a little bit more about the FIRE movement. He came to it early, and we'll hear what he has to say. Enjoy this clip. Yeah, so the, there's so many facets to what I'd call the FIRE movement. But, you know, to me, FIRE simply represents living life on your own terms. You know, it's a group of people who've looked out at the mainstream money advice and life advice and seen, you know, that most people are unhappy at their jobs, they're disengaged at work, and then they, you know, they've taken a right turn and the fire people, the fire movements, they're saying, okay, we don't want that, we're gonna take a left turn. And so living life on your own terms, you know, it's never been easier to do that. With that being said, there's so many people now in the fire movement. You know, when I started on this journey in 2010, I read the book, Your Money or Your Life, which is really the foundational text of the financial independence movement. It changed my life. It started my financial independence journey. But for the first two and a half years, you know, I didn't know anyone else who was doing it. You know, I was on my own. Sticking with finance, we have to ask this important question. Are you and your spouse on the same page financially? I talk with people every day about this, and a lot of times they're not. It's a difficult conversation. Let's go to the interview in which I was talking with Tom Spence about the same scenario. Let's listen in with Mike Anderson. I see this all the time when I'm talking with people about their financial situation, the idea that, you know, I, I may see things one way as far as decisions we should be making, where to put our income, where, what to spend our money on. I see it one way. My spouse sees it a different way. And sometimes we're not in sync. We're not on the same page as the way we make our decisions with what to do as a household. So how can we get on the same page for where we're going to allocate those resources? That's a difficult conversation to navigate. That's when sometimes it's good to have an outsider, you know, help you out or to go through a course of some type and uh, get a little bit of help. But uh, that is something that should happen with every household. You should try and figure out how we're going to be on the same page. High five. All right. 
We had a wonderful interview with Jason Pridmore, professional motorcycle road racing aficionado. He's also a phenomenal golfer, but we tried to ask him about the similarities of golf and motorcycle racing. He had a fabulous response. Let's listen to the clip with Jason Pridmore. You know, I think probably the biggest question I used to get when I was when I was racing was how can you play golf and race motorcycles? They seem like they're so far apart. And really they're not when you think about it. A lot of my friends, when I came into the paddock and I started golfing a lot, a lot of people wanted to learn how to play. A lot of my friends that race now play golf and I'm always my phone still always buzzes. The mental side of it is is Road racing is very reactionary. Um, you can try to make plans the best you can. I used to always try to plan out my races. When you go out for practice sessions on a weekend, things in racing were always somewhat normal. There was always a normality to it to me because if you were fast, you were fast. Golf is so different because, as you know, you can go out one day and shoot 70, and you could literally go out the next day on the same course, same conditions, and shoot 80. So you kind of get good breaks and bad breaks a little bit more in, in golf. The bad breaks in racing were bad, you know, like really bad. So mentally just trying to stay focused and with golf it's one shot at a time with racing it's a little bit more reactionary but i think golf is fired up as i used to get on the golf course i think golf helped me relax a little bit more on the racetrack and learn to take things as they came a little bit and there's a lot of facets to racing a motorcycle that that i'd have to plan for like tires going off or air temperature track temperature these are kind of things that that wear on the body physically Whereas when golf, your mind is obviously your biggest tool and you have to be able to shake certain things off the best you can and keep going forward. So golf really taught me to stay more present where racing was things could change all the time. And uh, I really had to really focus on both mindsets. I played some of my best golf when I was racing still because I would get up in the mornings, I would train all morning and then for the rest of the day, I'd, I'd practice. And that's really where my, I hone my golf skills. Now that I'm not racing anymore, my golf has actually gotten worse. And I sometimes wonder if that's because I'm maybe not as focused as I used to be. I used to, I used to be able to get up with a plan every morning of focus on my career and then go focus on my hobby. And now I'm, I work all the time in the mornings. And um, if, if my work doesn't quite get done, I don't feel like I should be playing golf, you know? So it's, it's just a different mindset. Juliet Johnson was on the program talking about applying for college. Juliet is a senior in high school, and it's been a long time since we've been in high school, so it's different nowadays. There's a lot of work to apply for college. She shares some insight in this clip uh, from earlier on this year. Well, it's a lot of work, especially depending on what you're doing. The UCs make it really easy for you. Uh, and they make the process really simple, but with common application, uh, which is how you can apply to different private colleges, gets a lot more complicated. And with certain colleges that require portfolios, because I'm going to college for theater, they require me to submit a portfolio, which requires more work. So for certain colleges, I have to write up to from five to seven essays for each college, which is a lot. <laughs> so I'm very overwhelmed, but they space out the deadlines between their colleges, so it's not too bad. I'm getting through it. Kat Martin is a New York Times bestselling author. She has over 25 times been on the New York Times bestsellers list, and she has over 17 million copies of her books in print, with being over 70 copies of different books she's authored. Uh, we spoke to her on this program, and we talked about something very interesting and unique to our time that we're in, sensitivity. She talks about how sensitivity and readers now will edit the book and read for sensitivity before they publish it. Let's listen to what she has to say. It was a fascinating clip. 
I've been at this so long, they really pretty much leave me alone. But they they actually have people read it. They'll have up to three or four people read a book and see if there's any lines in it that bother anyone. I mean, can you you have to be careful how you say it. I mean, you can't just write today. You have to be conscious of all these politically correct things. And I, I honestly don't think it's a good thing for writers because our job is really to paint a picture. It's not a good thing for readers. It's not a good thing for anybody, really. And hopefully it'll kind of mellow out and, you know, get back to normal. But... They, they want they just want to be a little bit too they just they're so afraid someone's going to sue them or someone's going to say something and cause you a problem and you know really i'm lucky i haven't had much trouble with it so we had more park college talk about programs they have in cybersecurity. there are new fields with certificates they have over 10 different certificates available in cybersecurity. these are things like computer forensics things like certified ethical hacking and other programs like this. You should really check this program out at Moore Park College. But first, let's listen to this clip that we had with the professor at Moore Park College with cybersecurity. There's a certified ethical hacker where students learn how to hack in and break into networks to, so that, they, that way they know what are the appropriate controls, what's the appropriate logging and monitoring that needs to be in place in order to detect when someone's trying to do reconnaissance against your organization and wants to steal information. So the Certified Ethical Hacker you, uh, covers that type of content. We also have the computer forensics. So when you do discover a workstation or a device that's been compromised, what information did they actually steal? What were they doing? What tools were they using? When did this hack occur? When did these events actually take place? Also, we have the new firewall administration course. So that's a new Palo Alto course. And for example, we'll be offering this course for the very first time this spring. All these courses, by the way, are taught by subject matter experts. But the Palo Alto course, for example, I went online to get a, com a comparison cost. How much would it take for somebody in the public uh, sector to go out and take this course through a private vendor? It's approximately $5,000. At our campus, it would cost you under $150. You would take, you would come to the class. We would have a firewall expert teaching the actual content. You get access to the actual equipment. You get curriculum access. You get access to an equipment lab. I mean, it would be superb training. Plus, it's over a 16-week period, so you're able to digest the information, able to take uh, example exams, able to ask questions, able to connect with other colleagues in the classroom. Over at Ventura College, they have the automotive program, which is doing wonderful and has provided jobs to many students that go into this program and come out with a job. Let's listen into the interview talking with the professor from Ventura College dealing with the automotive program. This is a great clip and a great program that I think you need to check out. Let's listen in. In 2001, I graduated from Ventura High School. I didn't know a lot about cars. I, I, I knew I liked to go to car shows and hang out with my dad and my brother and see what they were doing. Didn't know how to change oil. Um, I went to Ventura College at 18 years old. By the time I graduated at 20 years old, I had my two-year certificate and I was running a team at a local dealership and being very successful. And to finish out our best of episode, I want to bring to you one of my favorite things that we did on this program over the course of the year, and it was reading of the book, Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. So please enjoy the book as we bring it to you again, Oh, the Places You'll Go. 
Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where you go. You'll look up and down streets. You'll look them over with care and some will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch. Your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump, and the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare stay out? Do you dare go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? or right and three quarters, or maybe not quite, or go around back and sneak in from behind. Simple it's not, I'm afraid you will find. For a mind maker upper to make up his mind. You can get so confused that you'll start into race down long wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish wild space Headed, I fear, toward the most useless place, the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for the wind to fly a kite, or watching around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jack, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or sitting a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. No, that's not you. Somehow you'll escape. All that waiting and staying, you'll find the bright places where boom bands are playing. With banner flip-flipping, once more you'll ride high, ready for anything under the sky. Ready because you're that kind of guy. Oh, the places you'll go. 
There is fun to be done. There are points to be scored. There are games to be won. And the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame. You'll be famous as famous can be. With the whole wide world watching you win on TV. Except when you don't. Because sometimes they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win, because you'll be playing against you. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go, though the weather be foul, on you will go, though your enemies prowl. On you will go through Hankin Crank's howl, onward up many a frightening creek, though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak. On and on you will hike, and I know you'll hike far, and face up to your problems, whatever they are. You might get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you go. So be sure when you step, step with great care and tact. And remember that life's a great balancing act. Just never forget to be dexterous and deft and never mix up your right foot with your left. And you will succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and three-fourths percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So, be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray. Or Mordecai, Ali, Van Allen, O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. Just beautiful. Cannot say it loud enough. I think that book touches so many emotions in so many wonderful places. It's just an exciting read. And I hope you enjoy Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Well, that does it for our show today. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. And big thank you as well to the team at Boyd & Associates, providing home security to Southern California. Don't forget to find The Big Idea on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.